0: Come back and gather for worship. Before we do, we just have a couple of announcements. This Friday, uh, youth, there is a rally in Thorpe that begins at 7.30. Um, We will probably leave about 5.15. Uh, There is an afterburner that will be $5. And then we also ask if you will chip in for gas, uh, $10, to help kind of offset the fuel cost. And then on Wednesday, March 30th, there will not be a Bible study here uh, due to our district ministers' conference. And then also next Sunday is the deadline for Calvary Apostolic Church's Save Our Children uh, offering. Thank you. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but this pulpit takes words away from me and from my brain. I just... I don't know. <laughs> I don't even see you staring at me. I don't look at you.
1: <laughs>
0: anyway, who is this for, who for our sorrows offers comfort and relief?
1: It is Jesus. Hallelujah. Who is this who for our sorrows offers comfort and relief? Bringing sunshine to the dark and shadowed life. Saying softly cease repining. Lift thy soul above its grief. Let the peace past understanding still the strife. It is Jesus. Jesus. Sad one." No more, he will heal the broken hearted, open wide the prison door. He is able to deliver evermore. Who is this who comes with healing for the halt, the blind, the lame, saying softly, the sinner, follow me. Only come in faith believing as of old the people came And the lame shall walk, the blind again shall see It is Jesus, Jesus, that one weep no more He will heal the broken hearted, open wide the prison door. He is able to deliver evermore. Who is this who loves the sinner as the father loves his own? Grieving over those who spurn his gentle plea. Always ready to forgive them and to make forgiveness known. Who is this forever calling you and me? It is Jesus, Jesus, Sad one weep no more. He'll heal the broken heart, it wide the prison door. He is able to deliver evermore. It is Jesus, Jesus, sad one weep no more. He'll heal the broken hearted open wide the prison door he is able to deliver evermore hallelujah it is jesus he is the one who can heal he is the one who can deliver hallelujah thank you jesus thank you lord for your healing thank you for salvation oh hallelujah jesus thank you lord that you made the decision to go to the cross for us hallelujah thank you jesus thank you jesus hallelujah thank you jesus i heard an old old story how a savior came from glory how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning of his precious blood atoning. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. For oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing, how he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see and then i cried dear jesus come and heal my broken spirit and somehow jesus came and brought to me the victory oh victory in jesus my savior forever He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory, and I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea, about the angels singing and the old redemption story, and some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. a oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew Him, and all my love is due Him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me, and He bought me with His redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew Him, and all my love is due Him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for victory. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Never let me forget where you brought me from. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I give you glory, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, you are worthy. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Over all the earth. You reign on high, every mountain stream, every sunset sky. But my one request, Lord, my only aim is that you reign in me again. Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour you are the lord of all i am so let me reign in me again lord reign in me reign in your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour you are the lord of all i am so won't you reign in over every thought, over every word, may my life reflect the beauty of my Lord. You mean more to me than any earthly thing, so won't you reign in me again? Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams. In my darkest hour, you are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again? Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams. In my darkest hour, you are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again? Over all the earth you reign on high. Every mountain stream, every sunset sky. But my one request, Lord, my only aim, is that you'd reign in me again. Lord, reign in me. Reign in your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour. You are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again? Lord, reign in me. Reign in your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour. You are the Lord. Of all I am. So won't you reign in me again. So won't you reign in me again. Lord, won't you reign in me again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord, reign in me. Hallelujah.
2: Jesus, let's continue to worship Him. Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Oh God, oh God, oh God, have your way, have your way, Jesus, have your way, Jesus. Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Your will be done, O God. Your kingdom come today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Fill this place with your angels, O God. Fill this place with your power. Fill this place, O God. With your anointing, O God. Anoint my lips. Anoint their ears, O God. Anoint the minds, O God. Hallelujah. Have your, way, have your way Jesus have your way Jesus have your way Jesus hallelujah 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 Jesus Jesus' name Jesus' name in Jesus' name. hallelujah. Genesis chapter eleven, Genesis chapter eleven, verses one through nine. Hallelujah, thank you Jesus. thank you Jesus, for your people. thank you Jesus, for your power, Lord Jesus, for your anointing, O God. hallelujah, hallelujah, for your confirmation, Lord Jesus. You know all things, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. You know the end from the beginning, God. You know all things, Jesus. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime, they had for mortar and they said go to let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth and the Lord came down to see the city. Amen. And, and he came down to see their tower that they were building which the children of men built and the Lord said behold the people is one. They got God's attention. Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down there and confound their language, and that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore this name is the name of of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. Father, we love you today. We thank You today, Lord. I'm just Your vessel, Lord God. I'm just Your conduit. Lord, to just come to today to speak to Your people, Lord Jesus, that You would speak to them through me, God, that You would speak to their spirit. Lord, You know where everybody's at in their walk today, God. You know where every one of us is at. You know what our attitude is. You know what's going on in our life, O oh God. And You've brought everyone here today by Your purpose and plan and will. And so whatever is said here today, let it be for Your glory, for your kingdom, In Jesus name, Amen. In Jesus name, you can be seated, Amen. What gets God's attention? What gets God's attention? And what these people were doing here uh, got God's attention. It says so. And God, God stopped everything He was doing and said, "Whoa, oh." Man, if I don't go down there and do something, they're gonna—they're not gonna be able to. I'm, they're gonna be able to do whatever they want to do. And so, what what happened just before this scripture? This this happened just after the flood had taken place, and Noah's sons had begun to multiply and replenish the earth. And one of the things that God told those sons. Was to go out and replenish the earth. To go, go forth. No, don't go to one city, but go everywhere. And so, what did they do? They went. They went to one city. And can you imagine that? Can you imagine if we all spoke French and that was the the internet, the national language, and nobody had to take classes to learn somebody else's language? Can you imagine that? And English is the international language, by the way, but everybody doesn't know it. But a lot of countries just teach it as compulsory because they just they want them to have it in case they leave their country and come here. So it's it's the international language, but still you have to learn it. And so these people all spoke one language, and so God had to do something. Amen. And so, in the book of uh, in Josephus, the writer Josephus says he's a Jewish historian says he places Babel in the days of Nimrod. Babel was appointed rejection of God's instruction to replenish the earth. It was just downright disobedience. The last thing he told them to do is what they should have been doing, and they weren't doing that. And it says it was a flagrant example of the corporate pride and willfulness of man. And I think our pastors already talked about that a little bit this morning. It's in us right now in this room to be just like that. And if you don't believe that, that, we got an altar right here. But it's in you right now to be willful and to be and to do things just flagrantly against the will of God because you just don't want to because you think what you your ideas are better, and that's what these people thought, and they they didn't go unnoticed, did they? The intent of the tower may not have been to reach heaven as we know it, like way up there, where airplanes don't even fly hardly. It looks like they're way up there touching the, but it's they're not. The expression can refer to a tower with an idolatrous temple of heaven on its top. This is what Josephus said. And so, if you study this out a little bit, we're not going to go there, but it seems like they were already getting into idol worship when they were starting to to decide on their own what they wanted to do and not obey the will of God. And so we're going to talk today about just what it is that gets God's attention. And I, I typed this statement, everything that happens in this earth gets God's attention. Every, you know that There's that one scripture that says something about the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You think he knows what the thoughts and the intents of your heart are right now? If you're sitting there thinking, I wish Brother Demuth would hurry up and shut up, he knows that you're thinking that. You don't have to deny it if you are. I'm just saying, he already knows. He knows your thoughts. He knew. You go to the New Testament and you read the stories about Jesus and it says there in many places that he knew their thoughts. He knew. So, So if you think you're getting away with something, you're not. And I could just stop right there and have an altar call, Brother (laughs) Baker. We won't do that just yet. But he knows everything that's going on in the earth. He knows what's going on with this president. He knows what's going on in Ukraine. He knows what's going on with the Bilderberg Group and all these. He knows. He's He's not senile sitting in the corner sucking his thumb going, what do I do? God knows. He's in charge. Nothing gets past God. You're not going to get anything over on Him. You've come way too late to even try that. Because God is paying attention. And if you don't think God's paying attention to your life, you need to change your thinking. He's watching us. Amen? And so there's negative things that get God's attention. Negative things in our life. And some of those negative things bring negative consequences. You know, we, I heard somebody say once, we make decisions, but God determines the outcome of our decisions. So we've got to live with our decisions. And if we don't get to determine the outcome, I'd, I don't know about you, but I think I'd want to be deciding what He wants to do and not what I want to do. Although it may be a good idea. It's not God's will. I'm, I have no business even going there. So Moses, my first example, he was, he was a man that should have been killed, but he wasn't. He was put in a little boat, sent off on his merry way, and Pharaoh's daughter picked him up out of the, the river, and, and he, he learned that at the highest levels, had the greatest education you could ever have in Egypt. And he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and all that stuff. And he went and, and was God used him to deliver Israel out of Egypt. Great man. Had everything going for him. Just submitted. Got to go see that bush. I mean, just so many things happened. So many things. And God, was, God had his eye on Moses. And then one day, the people of Israel started murmuring. We don't do that, do we? Nobody in here has ever murmured against the pastor, have they? Not that you'd admit. Amen. Even if you thought it. Even if you never opened your mouth. And I pray God helped you repent from that. Because I know I've been guilty and I've had to repent. Right? Because God puts a man in your life. He put Moses in their life. He didn't choose to be the leader. He was chosen to be the leader. He didn't. He didn't run to the front of the line and say, "Pick me, pick me, pick me." God just chose him, and he didn't want to do it. He just like, no, And this is a highly educated man trying to say, I, I, "I don't. I don't know what to say." Don't worry about it. I'll give you what to say. And so. The people of Israel were were murmuring against Moses and against this whole deal. And and what did God tell Moses to do? He told him to go speak to a rock. He said, go speak to that rock and tell it to, to for water to come out of it, that they can drink water and their animals and everybody will have plenty of water because they were thirsty. It was a dry, dry desert place. And so Moses, with his little attitude, goes out there and, He takes his little staff that he had just used for other things, still had it, still hanging on to that old tradition of that staff. He goes out there and, in, in in his aggravation with the people, he takes his staff and he whacks that rock twice, and water came out. And God was paying attention. What did God tell Moses to do? Speak to the rock. What did he tell him to do? Speak to the rock. What did he do? He hit the rock with a stick. That that staff was good for all that stuff back there that God told him to use that staff for. But that staff was just a stick now. God was moving on to other things. Now he was saying, don't trust in the stick. Just trust me to say, when I tell you to speak to something, do it. God was paying attention. And so what happened to Moses? It says in Numbers chapter 20, verse 6 through 12, And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And they fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Take the rod and gather. He did tell him to take the rod. He did. Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together. Thou and Aaron thy, thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. So Aaron heard God say that too. And it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts to drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded him. See, he was following instructions up to this point. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels. Thank goodness our pastor doesn't talk to us like that. (laughs) You heathens you rebels here now where was i moses is together okay here now you rebels must we fetch you water out of this rock do we have to we had to feed you now we got to give you water thank goodness we don't have a pastor like that moses was a pastor and moses lifted up his hand with And with his rod, he smote the rock twice. Now, I mean, it it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that he didn't do what God said. And maybe he thought God wouldn't notice that he didn't do what he said. Maybe he just thought God would just look over this. Well, God didn't look over this. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron because you believe me not. To sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel before you. Therefore, you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. I'll let you go right up to the edge of the promised land, Moses, but you're not going in with them. All because he just simply disobeyed God and did what he wanted to do. God was paying attention. God got, he got God's attention with that. And so God brought judgment on him quickly. And I think Moses knew. It doesn't say there, but I think Moses knew he messed up. And I think maybe in his human nature, Moses was afraid to do something other than use that stick for a miracle. When God said, no, no, don't use the stick, just speak to the rock. Maybe we do that sometimes when God tells us to go do something and we do something contrary or we do it our way instead of the way God said to do it. Have we ever been guilty of that? We have to ask ourselves that. King Hezekiah was another one. He was consumed with his own, with himself. He was one of the greatest kings that ever lived on the earth. Amen? And he was involved in, in the battle that was never, there was a battle that happened and it was the battle that never happened. It was a battle that was supposed to happen, but God smote. 250,000 soldiers on behalf of Hezekiah. But he let it all go to his head. He let it all go to his head. And so, and God, God was paying attention. God, he got God's attention all right when he started getting a little prideful, a little arrogant. And so God came to him one day and said, get your house in order. You're going to die. He had a life-threatening disease. And what did he do? The Bible says he turned his face to the wall and he began to pray, Oh, God, don't let me die. Isn't that something we would do? Not yet. (laughs) God, my kids haven't had grandkids yet. Not yet. That's what we would do, human nature. I don't want to die. I know I'm going to die. I guess maybe in the way, sort of, I want to die. I want to just be out of here so I can be with him. Right? In a sense, you know, I'm not afraid of dying, but there's a few things I want to do first. Well, a few things we want to experience first, right? And so what did God do? He honored his prayer. Fifteen years, that's right. And then Ezekiah just proceeded to just make matters worse. And so he brought in people he shouldn't have brought in and he showed them stuff he shouldn't have showed them. And then when the prophet came to deal with him about it, he, he was so arrogant. He was so prideful. He was so hung up on himself that he said, well, at least I'll die with my generation in peace. Like he didn't even care about what happened to his kids or his grandkids. He just worried about himself. And so this great king that, just like Moses, this great king that had so many great things that happened in his life, And God was getting all the glory, suddenly found himself dealing with pride and arrogance in his last days. And so God was paying attention and God took him. And and he also made sure that those things that he had spoken through the prophet happened to his lineage. So it affected not only him, but his lineage. Cain and Abel the same way. Cain wanted to do things his own way. He brought an offering. It just wasn't the offering he was told to bring. And he got God's attention. And God's paying attention in this world when he killed his brother. God was there. He's everywhere. He's sitting in this room right now. He's sitting right next to you. He's right behind you. He's right in front of you. He's everywhere. And what did he do? He came down and said, where's your brother? You know, when God asks you a question, most of the, just about nearly every time He asks you a question, He already knows the answer. He just wanted to see if you're going to give the right answer. And so we we have to understand, we have to understand to that level that we can, we're not going to get anything over on God. You're not hiding in the dark and doing something and getting away with it. Just because none of us see you doing it doesn't mean you're getting away with it. There's going to come a day of judgment. And he might let you think you're getting away with it. And so because of a because of Cain's arrogance, pride, disobedience and all of that, generations after him suffered because of him. Suffered many things. There's one place in the in the Bible where it talks about I believe it's in Ezekiel 28, 14 through 15. It says, talking about Satan, it says, Thou art anointed cherub that covereth, and have, and I have seen set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God, and thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in thee. Iniquity was found in thee. What was it about Satan that got him kicked out of the kingdom? He wanted to do, he was tired of God being in charge. He was tired of God making all the decisions. He was tired of God being the head guy, if you will. He wanted to be in charge for a while. He wanted to have that role and that responsibility and all of that authority. And so he said, I'm going to do things my way. He had a little Frank Sinatra moment there. It just got him in trouble for the rest of his life. And that's what got him kicked out of hell. Iniquity. Remember that word. Iniquity. 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 Wanting to do my own thing, my own way. I know this is the way God wants me to do it. I know this is God's plan, but I don't like God's plan. I like my plan better, and I'm going to do it my way. Matthew twenty uh, Matthew seven twenty one to 23 says, Not every one of you that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall I enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will, that's the hard part right there, doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, which is what Jesus did. That's why Brother Becker, he prayed that prayer, nevertheless. In his flesh he tried to get out of the cross, but he said, nevertheless, if this is your plan, so be it. And that needs to be our prayer. God's paying attention. God's watching us. He's allowing things like He did with Job to come into our life. He's allowing things. Job was a man that, that, that he, he was a devout man and he just shewed evil. And he, he was a man after God's own heart to the point that even the devil paid attention. The devil, Satan himself, he got the, he got the devil's attention. How do we know that? Because the Bible says that he went before God and said, Hey, I got all these other people in bondage, but what about Job right there? I can't touch him. you got a hedge around him. I want God to have a hedge around me, don't you? I want him, Lord, put a hedge around me. Sometimes put a fence around my mouth. So I won't see stuff. But what if God takes that hedge away? He can. He did it for Job. I didn't say he did it to Job. He did it for Job. And we we miss the story sometimes about why he did that for Job. It was something in here. Something in Job's spirit that he needed to bring it to the surface. And God knew the only way to bring that to the surface was to allow him to go through some trials and some tests and some difficulties and, and lose all of his family and all of his camels and all of his sheep and everything. And end up covered in boils, and it took all of that for job to finally realize I got something I got to repent over. Now I don't know about you. I don't ever want to get to the place where I got God up in my face with his finger in my face, brother Becker saying, "Where were you? Where were you? Where were you when I created the, the lightning and the thunder? Where were you when I created Where were you? Where were you? You weren't there? How dare you talk to me like that? what he was saying. God's paying attention, folks. And, and the things that we say and do will get his attention. And it's not all negative. We're going to get to the positive here in a second. Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 19 talks about many things that God hates. Proud look. Pridefulness. I think I'm all that in a bag of chips. I think I'm special because I have this status or that status. I'm up here. You're all down there, all you lower people. Not, not me. <laughs> it's a figurative statement. I'm where you all are. We're all on the same, same playing field. Okay. Sometimes I wish this was down there so we could just be on the same. Level. But it talks about a proud look, a lying tongue, feet that are swift to run to mischief. And the one that he hates the most, they that sow discord among the brethren. God's paying attention. And to some extent, the the enemy is paying attention. He's looking for that chink in our armor. He's looking for that way in, if you will, into our spirit, into our mind. He's looking for that that hurt, that, that offense, that something in our spirit that... That he can get in there and get get a, a, a toehold in our life and begin to feed us with suggestions and ideas and temptations and things and yeah that sister that brother I can't believe they talked to me like that I can't believe the pastor talked to me like that I can't believe this happened and that happened and how dare they and he'll get you talking like that and then if he can get you to, if he can just get you to bite off on that in here. And then he gets you to start talking like that around the church now you've you've bought off on his his deal. you've made it yours now. it's not his anymore. He just threw the suggestion out there. you bit off on it you You're the fish on the hook now he got you. Now you're so in discord among the brethren. You think God doesn't notice that? Do you think he wants some some individual dividing a church? I'm trying not to look at any one person. <laughs> He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't like that. You like? Would you like somebody coming into your family and starting to stir things up in your family, Brother Becker? Somebody just moving into your house and start stirring strife between your kids and yourself and your wife? And no, no, we don't want that. What would we do? We would run them out of house. Whatever. And so God's paying attention. He. He wants us to do things that get his attention for positive things. Just, I already mentioned the story of Job. And Parts of that sound bad, but in the end it was for Job's good. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are the called according to his purpose. He's paying attention. He sees your life. He knows the trials you're going through and probably has allowed them to be put there in your life for a reason. It's hard to pray that that prayer that Jesus told us to pray, Thy kingdom come. We want to just skip over that next part, thy will be done. Because we just want to just kind of glom, just kind of glom over that and wait, 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 wait. What does that mean, thy will be done? Whatever your will is, even if it's bad for me, even if I have to suffer through cancer, even if I have to Suffer through a death in my life that I don't like, somebody in my life passing away. Even if I don't, even if all this stuff happens, look at John the Baptist. He got sent into prison, and what did Jesus do? He didn't go see him. He went to the other, he went to, he went away next town over. Because John had fulfilled his role. And when he sent somebody to ask him, What what was his answer? Well, have you seen the blind to see and the lame to walk and the deaf to hear? And John, you did your job. The will of God. Amen? Just like it was the will of God for Jesus to die on that cross. God's paying attention to our lives. He's looking for that one like Abraham that went through all that he went through to finally get that promise, that son Isaac. And when he told him, take him up to the mountain and sacrifice your promise, he didn't even hesitate. He just turned to the the boy and said, we're going up yonder to worship. Pack the mule, put the wood on there, and as they're going up the, the mountain, up the side of the hill, Isaac looks at him and says, Uh, Dad, I see we got all the stuff for the sacrifice, but where's the sacrifice? And what does he tell his son? God will provide God will take care of it. God's got this. Don't worry about it. When we get there, God will have one. And it doesn't say in the Bible, but I'm sure Isaac was probably literally or figuratively scratching his head going, Why is Dad tying me down to the altar? Dad, what are you doing? I'm doing what God told me to do. But, Dad, this doesn't make sense. Yeah, but I'm doing what God told me to do. Dad, if, if you start that fire, you know, it's going to hurt and it's going to burn. But I know, but God told me to do this, and I'm going to do it. And God was watching Abraham, um, yeah, Abraham to see what he would do. And just at the moment that he was about to come down with that knife, God stopped the knife and said, okay, he's have, he has faith. The Bible says that righteousness was imputed to Abraham by what? Faith. You were talking about that this morning. Faith. God's talking to us today about faith. Amen. You know, it takes faith to repent. Because first you have to believe that God is. And then you have to believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And true repentance really takes faith. Like you were talking about, you didn't, you had no idea how easy it was to receive the Holy Ghost. It's, like, it's just that easy. It's just that easy. He's just looking for a humble and contrite heart. A sincerely humble and contrite heart. God pays attention to that. God sees that. God re- rewards that. He comes down. The Bible says that the angels... Rejoice over one soul that repents. One. And it's not just something, folks, that we do when we come to the altar and get the Holy Ghost the first time. Repentance is something you do gotta do every day. Because the Bible says that we all have sinned. And the guy that wrote that and the people he wrote it to is the church. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in 1 John it says we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And So let me, let me just encourage you today. There's, there's going to be, it's not going to be outright blatant sin. But there's going to be things in your life that you're just going to sin and fall short. You're not going to mean to do it. You're just going to have a bad attitude. You're going to have a bad thought about somebody. You just And the Holy Ghost is going to convict you right at that moment. And if you're listening... Even if it's about a driver that's just pulled out in front of you, you don't even know their name, but you're saying, that idiot, that whatever, you know, and God starts convicting you. That's a soul. Why are you calling my soul an idiot? That could be you. I don't know that I've ever pulled out in front of anybody, but if I have, I sure wouldn't want them talking about me like that. I'd want want them to have mercy on me, wouldn't you? He loves our humble and contrite heart. He loves submission; that gets his attention. A submitted and a humble and contrite heart. That's what David was talking about. David knew that he had really messed up when he went and did that business with Bathsheba. He really knew. He really and and so he immediately, once he knew, once once that prophet said, "Thou art the man," the immediate conviction. And what a blessing conviction is to our life. God. That's God paying attention to our life. That's God knowing that we have veered from the path. And then He immediately will put that in our spirit. And if we're listening with our spirit, He wants us to repent. But we have to do it. He won't make you do that. A humble and a contrite heart, O God, David says, thou will not despise. He pays attention when we have that kind of an attitude. When that... Kind of a spirit is in us. When we start acting like him, like we be really believe his word, not just saying we believe it, but acting like we believe it. You know, the New Testament church didn't just call themselves apostolic. They didn't—I don't even think they used that word—and they didn't call themselves Pentecostal. They didn't have a—they didn't wear a title. Maybe they wore the title Christian. They, even that word, if you read it, if you look at it in the book of Acts, that was a kind of a derogatory term. It wasn't really a, a nice thing they were saying. Those those Christians, like it was a bad thing, right? They were first called Christians at Antioch. And so those the people in the first church, they didn't worry about a title. They didn't worry about a, a label. What did they do? What did they do? After the day of Pentecost, after they, after three thousand people were just brand new baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, new converts, every one of them. What did they do? They sent them all to Bible college. Nope. They told them they got to wait six months before they can teach a Bible study. Nope. What did they do? Y'all know what it says in the book of Acts? They went where? From house to house, breaking bread, having fellowship with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily. The Lord added to the church daily. He knows who's hungry and who's not. We just had a, a couple and their daughter at our house last night for dinner. and She's just the secretary at the chiropractor. But we don't. Who knows where that's going? But I'm just believing God that nothing happens by accident. And when they left last night, they said, we want to do this again. We want to come back. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Because all day yesterday I was praying, Lord, let them feel your presence when they come here. Let them feel you, not me. It's all about the kingdom. And so that's what those people in the book of Acts were doing. They didn't care about a title or a name. They weren't worried about what people thought about them. They just went from house to house. And, three th- and more than you know, more people were added to the church, 5,000, and, and the, the, the church multiplied. And there's all these terminologies in the New Testament about it, it just kept growing and growing. And, and they were turning the world upside down with this gospel. And God was paying attention to that. And he was giving them. He was adding to the church. And we he, we want him to add to this church, don't we? What are we doing about it? He's waiting on us. Well, God just sent him in the back door. It do not work like that. <laughs> doesn't mean that he won't. But if you go back to the, the days of, of Azusa Street, when they were having those services where all they were doing was praying, when that man had his head under a box up there on the front praying, and people were just falling out in the Holy Ghost out in the street, there's a reason why that was happening. Because they were having a move of God in prayer. They weren't begging God for souls. It was just happening because there was like a fire. There was something going on there. There was something internal that they were just touching the throne room of God. And God said, I've got to do something. They're touching my throne. Whew. They were all these things that we call ourselves in word and in action. It's, all, it's one thing to call yourself apostolic. and I, This is for me too. But it's another thing to actually be apostolic, to be the church. You know, there's a scripture in Second Timothy three one through five. You, you alluded to the concept of fear, and if we just if we were to just go read Second Timothy three one through five every day, we would be fearful. This know also in the last days perils time shall come for men shall be lovers of their own self proud boasters disobedient to parents unthankful unholy without natural affection truce breakers heady high minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Oh, it's terrible out there. Oh, it's so bad. We should just we should just hunker down in the church and just us in here and, and just wait for Jesus to come. Right? That's what that's. If you just funk, you, you just I know it's in the Bible, but if you just hover over that one scripture, you'll be fearful. You can find yourself being fearful and looking around every corner for every boogeyman. But there's another scripture in Mark 16, 14 through 18. It says, "Afterward he appeared unto the 11 as they sat at meat and upbraided them with with their what? Their unbelief and hardness of heart, believers. They were his main dudes. Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. They didn't believe it. And they were hiding in a room. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Does anybody in here want to fall into that category? Every hand should be up. We're all believers. These signs shall follow them that believe. Not them that carry a card in their wallet. Everybody in this room. Signs follow believers. In my name they shall cast out devils. We're going to have to cast out some devils. You don't believe in that? They believed in it in a pre- previous generation, Brother Becker, because they were doing it all the time. And There's people out there full of devils? You bet there are. And they're calling it some other... They're calling it a... They have some kind of ism or something. <laughs> Whatever. And they shall speak with new tongues. We do that. We can't just stop there. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. That doesn't mean we go picking up snakes and messing with them. That's totally not inter- interpreting Scripture correctly. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You know, every one of us in this room, you know, God's paying attention. God wants us to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. He wants every one of I'm I'm appointed everybody. He wants every one of you to lay hands on the sick and they recover. He wants every one of you to do it. But I haven't been in church long enough. Doesn't say that. It just doesn't say that. These shines shall follow them that believe. New converts were turning the world upside down with no Bible college. No, no formal education. No 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 exploring God's Word Bible study. Nothing. They were just going out there and doing it. Your testimony is powerful. Well, I don't know what to say when I get it. Don't worry about it. Don't you believe the Holy Ghost is going to give you what to say? You know, we really are dealing with a real enemy who is also paying attention. Even Jesus, who was the God of all glory, robed in flesh, right after he was baptized by John, the very next thing he did was was led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted 40 days. So even Jesus had to be tempted by the devil 40 days. And many of those things, like when when the devil tried to give him all the kingdoms of the world, Jesus never said, "Ah, those aren't your kingdoms. You don't have the authority to give those. Because they are his. He is the God of this world. Adam and Eve gave that up. They took on sin and gave up the authority they had. Am I okay? Am I correct me if I'm wrong? And in Second Corinthians four four it says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Unbelievers out there don't know that they that they're they're lost. They don't even know that they need Jesus. They don't even know they're lost. They don't even know that they're blind. They're blinded by the devil. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in them. Why do you think we come here and pray? Why do you think we come here and stand in the gap for backsliders and people that are lost? Because they don't know that they're lost. And they we need to be here. We need to be the church for this city. We need to be the church. Cuz God, does God know we're here? Is he is he are we is he are we getting his attention? How about this, are we getting the devil's attention? How do you know? How do you know if you're getting the devil's attention? How do you know if you're getting under his skin? How do you know that? Because if if he ain't attacking you, if he ain't bothering you, you need to be worried. You need to really be worried if the devil's not messing with you. Because if you are just making his life miserable, he's going to do everything he can to try to stop you, to shut you up. And if, if I'm sorry, but if God let, Stuff happened to Job like happened to Job. And he told the devil it was okay to go do it. If God's no respecter of persons, do you think he's going to allow anything less in our life? Because that was all for what? For Job's good. To bring Job to a place of repentance. And there might be something in your life that you just don't want to let go of. That's just you're hiding in this little room here and you just don't go in that room, Jesus. You can go everywhere else, but that little room right there just... There's a lock on the door there for a reason. Just stay out of there and all's good. And you can spend... Y'all can chuckle if you want, but you can spend your life like that. Holding a little thing in there and that's... I believe... That's just me. I don't have a Bible, but I believe that's what was happening with Job. He was holding something in his craw, if you will. And God was saying, I want want you to be even more perfect than you already are, Job. I'm going to help you by allowing all this stuff to happen in your life so that you'll get down to where you... The only place you have to turn is to me. And I don't want God to have to get me to that place, Brother Becker. I really don't. I'd rather find that place before I get to the point where he's got to be serious and desperate to get me to that place. Because he is paying attention to our life. Because he has called us here. And he did, he did not call us to attend church. If I'm wrong, just me. He didn't call us to be a member of a congregation. I know we are. I know that if this is good. I'm, it's not a bad thing. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad He's here. Amen? Somebody's glad He's here. God sent a man. We didn't just pick Him. God sent this man. At this time, for this church, for this hour that we're living in. And if you don't understand that, just Accept it, because this is the truth. God sent this man. And when he, when God tells this man to call me or text me and say, I need you to come up here and preach, I immediately the first thing that comes to my mind is that God knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. He already knew he was going to tell him that before he told him. So he told me. So I'm, I'm already saying, okay, God, you already knew this was all going to happen. So whatever you want me to say, just tell me and I'll say it. So that's what I'm up here doing. And if he only asked me that once, once every 6 months, so be it. But I'm I'm going to be here and do what God wants me to do, Brother Becker. Cuz it's not my church and it's not his church, it's Jesus church. Amen. Brother Becker read this scripture a while, a couple of days, a couple of services ago, Psalm 8 verses 1 through 9. Oh Lord, our Lord, how ex- excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has who has set thy glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, thy heavens, and the work of thy hands, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the Son of man that thou visitest him? What is it about us that's so special? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. That's us. And has, that's what makes the devil so mad, is we're just we're nearly nearly angel material. We're just a little lower than the angels, and he's an angel, and we're above him. We have all authority because we have him in us, so we have authority over the devil. He don't like that, so if he can convince you like he convinced Adam and Eve to give up the authority, he will. He don't care. He don't care about you. He'll leave you hanging, leave you out to dry. It doesn't matter to him. Thou madest him, that's us, that's man, right? Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and all oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea and whatever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. We have some authority, folks, over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air. And over every creeping, we have that authority in us by virtue of the Holy Ghost that dwells in us right now. And if God tells you to go over and speak to a dead person and tell them they're going to live, go do it. Don't hit them with a stick. Just go do what God said to do. And I know that sounds funny, but just go do what God said to do. It's, you're going to in your mind, you're going to go, "That is crazy, God. If I do that, they're going to laugh at me. They're going to make look look at me like I'm a fool." The apostle the great apostle Paul was standing before this guy named Festus, and he was trying to defend himself and trying to tell him, "Look, these Jewish guys just don't understand. I'm doing the will of God. I'm doing the Jewish will of God. I'm I'm doing this this thing right." And and th- was that guy Festus say he says, "Thou art mad." You've, you've just gotten a little too crazy in your head from too much learning. And that's what they think about us sometimes. Y'all are crazy. You don't have to do all that stuff. Come on, you don't have to have holiness. No, oh, no, no, you don't have to do all that stuff and live righteous and holy. It, come on, let's go have fun. No. If they told Paul he was a stark raving maniac. It's what that word mad means. Are you willing to be, allow yourself to be called that and not to defend yourself, but to defend the gospel and not worry about yourself? Yeah, they might say that about me. They probably said that about Jesus. I'm, I'm sure they did something like that. They hated him. They wanted him out of there because he was upsetting their, their deal. Hallelujah. Are we operating in faith? Because to me, at the end of this study on this, the whole thing, what it really came down to me in my mind, Brother Becker, was faith. God honors faith. It doesn't, doesn't matter if you're apostolic or not. doesn't matter if you're Pentecostal or not. He honors faith. There was this guy named Cornelius who was a devout man. He was a Roman centurion. And he was no more apostolic than that walker back there that Sister Barb walks in here on. But he was a devout man who loved God. He loved a God he didn't have a relationship with. He prayed to a God he didn't have a relationship with. And he believed a God that he didn't have a relationship with. And he believed that everything he was doing was for the purpose and will of making that God, whoever he was, happy and the bible says that god noticed what was going on with cornelius and god was collecting up all of his prayers and god saw his faith and said i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna fix things for you and so what did he do he go he goes and speaks to one of the disciples who's a jew and tells him to go see go to the house of a what of a gentile Oh, we don't go to those people's houses. We don't go into the sinners' houses. Oh, they might be smoking and drinking. We don't do that. We don't go to their house. Why not? God had to give that man three dreams to tell him, I'm telling you, go to his house. Don't worry about the rules and regulate. Just go. I'm telling you, go. What if God told us to do that? We have a missionary that uh, I believe he's in. um, Brother McFarland. Ireland somewhere. Was praying God. He was reading that story about Cornelius and he was praying God. Man, that would be so awesome to have a Cornelius moment. Wow, God, if you could just that would be awesome. And wouldn't you know God sent him to a guy like that that was a Filipino in Ireland that was a martial arts instructor who had all these people that were following him. And he met this guy, and this guy said, Hey, can you come to my house? Teach me a Bible study about Jesus. And so what does he do? He's like, Wow, this is awesome. He's not thinking it's a Cornelius moment. He just goes there, and there's a house full of people. Like not just a little bit of the house full of people. Like there was nowhere else to sit, and they were standing around the walls. They were down the hallway. They were in other rooms. <laughs> they filled. He filled his house up full of people. <laughs> Brother McFarlane walked in there with his daughter or somebody, and said, "Well, let's see." So he took his chart out and he laid it over top of the TV in their living room, and he started teaching a Bible study. And I think the way the story goes, he didn't get very far into that Bible study. And people in, people in that house just started talking in tongues everywhere. And he just pretty much threw the Bible study out the window. <laughs> Not literally, but the whole concept that he God sent him, and he won that whole entire group out of one man. One man. And I, man, I was thinking about that while I was getting this ready, and I thought, man, God's got it. He, he can do that. There's some Cornelius's in this city <laughs> don't you want to Don't you want God to send you on a Cornelius mission? Have a Cornelius moment some Some church around here that doesn't have a pastor call you up one day and say, "Hey, we heard you're a good preacher. Could you come over and preach for us? What would you say? <laughs> of course, absolutely, I will. There was a Baptist church somewhere in Louisville, and I found this out a couple of years after it happened. But either it was either Brother Mooney or somebody like that was invited by some Baptist church to come preach, because they one of their saints heard him on YouTube or something, and he got he said he got up there. I think it was Brother Mooney. Said, Now "I'm just telling you, I'm gonna preach on Jesus' name," and they're like, "Go!" So he did. Amen. So you never know never know. God, God's honoring faith. I'm coming to a close. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Who are those witnesses? All that have gone before us. All those people on the day of Pentecost. Those 3,000 that went out from house to house breaking bread and having fellowship. They are the witnesses. They, they got the job done. They did it. And many more since then. Let us lay aside every weight. Let's just stop right there for a minute. Why does he mention weights before sin? As I heard one preacher say, because he already knows we're dealing with sin. But it's the weights; It's the things that we let weigh us down. We let it. We let it. We let that stuff in our life instead of casting all of our care, which it goes on to say that here, let us lay aside every weight, the stuff that gets in the way, Brother Becker, the, the impediments and the things that we let take up time in our life, that take this place of doing things for the kingdom. And sometimes we don't just let it, we allow it. Sometimes we just downright espouse it. Well, I don't want to do that right now, God. I, I got I got shopping I gotta do. I got this I gotta do. I gotta I gotta finish this. I gotta do that. I got my own agenda. And God's trying to say, put would you please put your agenda down because I need you to do this. And God's watching, God's paying attention. And the sin which does so easily beset us. It's those weights that so easily, just so easily, it's so, it just seems so subtle. It just seems so innocuous, like it's just no big deal. But it is a big deal. Because the kingdom's a big deal. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We're in a race, folks. When you, when you received the Holy Ghost and, been, and were baptized in Jesus' name, that wasn't the end of the deal. You, you were entered into a race. And you, you need to be running the race. And, and coming here and sitting here twice a week is not running the race. That, that's for me, too. I need to be busy. I need to I need to go out of my way. I need to, to say things that I feel like the Holy Ghost is telling me to say to people. When I'm in my mind, my human mind, I'm going, if I say that, they don't want it. That's what we tell ourselves. That's what the devil tells. They don't want to hear it. Don't say that. You'll sound like an idiot. Don't say that. They don't want to hear it. Yeah, they do. Like that guy in Okinawa that I was stationed with that I waited for. I was a new convert. I waited for like three months to say anything to him. And I finally did say something. He said, I've been waiting for you for three months to ask me. Talk about conviction. <laughs> I mean, what if I'd have never said anything, Sister Bell, and just let that one go? Would the blood of that person's soul be on my hands? And they're still in church today. Thank God. By the mercy and grace of God. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's the author of your faith. He gave you the faith you have. The Bible says he, he, He has dealt to every man the measure of faith. He gave you enough faith to believe that He is. And to believe that he's a order of them that diligently seek him. He gave you enough faith to read that book of Acts, Acts two thirty eight, and he gave you enough faith to believe that if you just do that, that he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. And when you did, he did. And that, and that the Bible talks about going from faith to faith, so it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just stop at the Holy Ghost and baptism in Jesus' name. It doesn't just stop at faithfulness to the house of God. It doesn't just stop at being faithful in our tithes and offerings. It doesn't just stop at obeying the pastor and honoring the man of God. It doesn't just stop there. We all have a ministry. I know you've said this over and over. And over. I'm just going to parrot the same thing. You have a ministry. That only you can perform. That only you can do. This man can't do it for us. Right? I, I work with a team of people at the VA and every one of us has a, a niche area that we work in. And we all just go about our, our day doing our job and we're, we're there for each other. When when we, when, when one of them does not sure about something, we jump on a team's call and we figure it out and we answer the question and move on. And the boss really just sits in his office and just kind of, Stands back and watches us work because that's how he approaches it. He's his mentality is I'm gonna stay out of your way. Because you're the guys, you're you're the SME, the subject matter experts. Right? So Vince, you're the phone guy. I'm just gonna make sure that I'm out of your way. If you do you need something? Do you need tools? Do you need parts? Do you need what do you need? I'll get it for you. Just make sure I'm staying out of your way. That's how God is. He He's not gonna control us. He wants us to exercise that faith we have. I heard on the radio, I was out taking my dog for a ride yesterday, and this lady on this radio station said it's one thing to have faith. It's another thing to operate in it. And she wasn't even apostolic, but it just hit me. It's like, wow. It's it's one thing to just have faith. What does James say? I have faith. You say you have works. Show me your faith by your works not enough to have faith. Faith without works is dead, useless, ceremonial, of no consequence, inactive, inoperative. Yeah, I got faith. So? What are you doing with it? Somebody said one time, desperate times call for desperate measures. Now, if you haven't been paying attention, we are living in desperate times. And there is going to be a revival of souls like you've never seen. This building's not going to hold it. And I was reading an article Friday, and it said that with all these gas and all this business going on with fuel and oil and everything going up, and this one country in Europe was talking about instituting something called No Drive Sundays. No Drive Sundays because everybody works monday through friday and some people work saturday and so sunday whether they like to admit it or not is a day of rest and so sunday is the day they pick now you can can you just imagine if they instituted that here no drive sunday they they pass a law that nobody's driving on sunday we're trying to save gas anybody living through the 70s when there were gas shortages <laughs> if you you have no idea and these many years later, we found out there really wasn't a gas shortage. It was all smoke and mirrors, right? Am I right? So, but what are we going to do? We can't come to this building. We just going to stop having church? We just going to stop being apostolic? Oh, can't come to church now. What do I do? Right? No. House to house, breaking bread, having fellowship. And God gave them favor. I you know, I didn't I didn't plan this little dinner yesterday. It just happened. God just made it happen. And we were just obedient to it. Did, did it upset our little schedule that we like to follow on Saturdays? Absolutely. But does that matter? No. You know, winning a soul is going to cost you something. Just think about it. If God starts dealing with you to begin to reach out to somebody, it might cost you lunch three times a week. You buy their lunch. Or you buy their coffee. It's going to cost you something. But just like the $7 gas, God's got this. If He's called you to that, don't worry about the finances. He'll take care of it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Let's all stand. How many wants God's will to be done in their life? Amen. I want to be operating in faith. I want God to notice. I want the city to notice this church. I want the city to know about this church. Everything everything I hear about that church, something's happening over there. There's always somebody getting healed. There's always somebody, whatever. Don't you want that to be the case? I want the city to know who we are. Not just that little old building over there on the corner of Charles Street. I want the devil to know who we are. I want him, I want to get all up in his business. Amen. And I want God to know. Don't you want God to move in here? Now I know He's here. He comes here, but I want Him to move here and in here in such a mighty way. It's just me that we just see people just walking up here that aren't even never even been in church. They walk in the back door with some ailment and some sickness and say, "I heard that you all breathe, believe in prayer over the sick." And, and we watch it happen right in front of us. I want to see that. And we're going to see that. But so there's things we've got to do as a body, as a people. Each one of us, individually and collectively, we've got to do it. And I know it's hard coming here on Tuesdays. It's hard. It's hard to break us free of our routines. But we are making a difference in the kingdom that you have no idea We've got to keep exercising our faith and operating in our faith, not just having faith. Let's all come to the front this morning. I know that I've probably said some things that have spoken to each and every one of you at some point through this message. And if God's dealing with you, don't, don't wait. You shouldn't have to even wait for me to invite you up here. If you know God's dealing with you, then you get before God about it. So let's just pray. Father, we need you to help us, God, to not just have faith, but to operate in faith. I don't know, God, if anything I've said here made any sense at all. If I was all over the yard with the lawnmower or what, I don't know. But God, you, you have sent me here to speak what you've told me to speak. And Father, I thank you for the ears and the hearts and the minds of your people that you anointed to hear what was said today, Lord Jesus, that you would deal with their heart and mind and and, Father, continue to deal with them and even beyond this service, Lord Jesus. Let these things dwell upon their mind in the name of Jesus. We are living in the last and evil days, Father. And you need your church to be the church. You need each one of us to be that part of the body, Lord. You need each one of us, O oh God, to fulfill our role in the kingdom, O oh God, to fulfill that ministry that you called us to, Father, in the name of Jesus. That laying hands on the sick, that that... Casting out of devils, Lord Jesus. We don't have to have permission, oh God. You've given us authority and permission to do it. In Jesus' name, Lord, we love you and we praise you. We honor you. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, take us beyond where we are. Take us into a place, O oh God, that we've never been before, Lord Jesus. Take us to a, spa- a place, O oh God, in a spiritual realm that we've never been in before, leave Jesus. Your ways are high above our ways, but that doesn't mean we can't rise up to your, where you are, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus, raise us up, O oh God. Take us up to another level, Lord Jesus. Every one of us in this room. God, in the name of Jesus, let us be a mighty force to be reckoned with in this city, God. Lord Jesus, let us not have have no fear, O God, of failure. Let us have no fear of retribution. Let us have no fear of anything that would come against us because of the gospel, Lord Jesus. Cause us to be your mighty vessels of honor today, Lord Jesus. Lord, every one of us needs to be that vessel of honor, Lord Jesus. There is no respect of persons. My God, you can use anybody in this room if they'll just make themselves available, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, the most unsuspecting people, God, you're going to use them in the last days. My God, people with great faith, oh God, you're going to use them in the last days, oh God. Have your way, God, have your way, God, have your way, God. God. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.
3: Let's pray for just a moment, can we? This is the time of the service where we allow God to speak to us specifically. Those things that He's desiring to get into us, that we're desiring to know. Let Him speak with us this morning. Amen. Brother Dimwith preached faith to us to get rid of the negatives, to allow God to put in the positives. We don't want to get God's attention negatively, we want to get His attention positively. Amen. Lord Jesus, we understand corporately, we understand individually that You have a plan for us. You have a ministry for us. You have a plan for this church body. You have a plan for this city, for this county. And it involves us. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray, O God, that You would build our faith, that You would give us a crazy, stupid, supernatural faith, that we would just... Trust you when you tell us to do something, that we would just believe your word when you give us a promise to the point of acting on it consistently. Hallelujah, Jesus. That we would just do what you tell us to do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking with us this this morning, for ministering to us our every need. I pray that you would continue to speak with your people here today. Speak with them specifically. Speak with us, thou Most High God, I pray. You are so good to us, so merciful, so gracious, so kind, so compassionate everything that happens to us. Help us to understand, Jesus. Everything that happens to us, whether it seems to us good, bad, or indifferent, is for our benefit, for our perfection, for our refining. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are so beautiful. You are so wonderful. I want to look like You. I want to effectually demonstrate You to this world. And if it's going to take... Test and trial. Sometimes, Lord Jesus, we like to view this process as a lump of clay on a potter's wheel. But oft times, Lord, it's more like a blacksmith hammering a piece of steel, a piece of iron, putting us in the fire, hammering, pounding, putting us in the fire, molding, shaping, But it's for us. It's for our perfection so that we can look like You, so that we can demonstrate You to this world. Thank You, Jesus, for Your faithfulness to us. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for Your faithfulness to Your people, Your faithfulness to the city and to this county, Your faithfulness to the plan of God and to the ministries that You have called each of us to. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, the see other Hadak yellow the other guy. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are the Hallelujah, Jesus. God let's spend just a moment and let's get God's attention let's get his attention for good hallelujah Jesus thank you Lord for speaking to your church today thank you Lord and we receive these words from you we receive them Help us to take action. Help us to act upon them. Help us to demonstrate our faith in the Word of God with our action. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are so very beautiful. So very wonderful. You have in every avenue laid the choice at our feet you have let us know what each choice means the consequences of each the far reaching ramifications of each we cannot say that we are not educated in making this choice help us to make the right one today Help us to continue to make the right one moving forward. We desire your blessing. We desire your favor. We desire to please you with all that we do, say, and think. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. is a great God merciful gracious compassionate holy righteous just he is a great God and he amongst all of creation he alone is worthy to serve he alone is worthy to worship He alone is worthy to give ourselves in complete service to and in complete submission to. Only he is worthy. The examples given today in Brother DeMuth's message, Moses, Hezekiah, they could very easily be each of us. Privileged to fill in for a teacher at PI yesterday, and church history was the topic. It's interesting in church history that we were given in the book of Acts the truth, the complete truth. And they were living, as Brother DeMuth mentioned, they were living the complete truth. Somewhere along the way, though, it was lost, it fell by the wayside. How did that happen? It didn't happen wholesale. Happened because of one man, one woman, and then another, and then another, and these ideas started to propagate. And before you know it, truth is lost. I don't know why Moses struck the rock instead of spoke to it. I can imagine he was certainly frustrated. Maybe he got a little too comfortable with the presence of God. Maybe he got a little too comfortable being the guy in charge. I don't know. I'm speculating. Whatever it is, it was something. He'd never done that before. He'd never disobeyed like that before. But he did in this case. Hezekiah started an amazing, amazing game. He feared God. Ended up something else altogether. How does that happen? Relationship with God that we have, the blessings that we receive with Him, they all came from Christ. Attention. I want the positive. I don't want him to have to correct me. I don't want him to have to bring me to a place where it takes something like that to get my attention. I want him to know that he's already got my attention. I'm listening. to do as He says. Amen. What an awesome service. God is so good to us. He is so good. Lord Jesus, let's pray in closing. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful for You. I'm thankful for the Word that You've delivered unto us this morning. Hallelujah. Help us, Lord Jesus, to understand exactly what we have in this dispensation Help us to understand the many blessings, the the, so great benefits that you have delivered unto us, that you desire to deliver unto us. Help us to know, Lord, the right way to go, and that if we will choose right, and if we will do right, that we have your favor, that we will walk with you and you with us, that you will confirm your word through us with signs following build our so great faith, I pray. Use us mightily according to your will and according to your plan. Let your name be glorified in us and through us. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother DeMuth. God bless all of you. Thank you so very much for being here today. Uh, Tuesday evening prayer, 7 o'clock Wednesday service, 6.30 prayer, 7 o'clock service. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.